This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. unseen work before the marriage covenant and we went through several scriptures to help us define our our working definition or help us to gauge our working definition of marriage we won't go through all of those this morning but I do want you to pre-mark your Bibles to mark chapter 10 verse 4 mark chapter 10 verse 4 we will go to that one uh, in just a second uh, just to remind us, again, I want to be sure that we understand that our pastor's already said that we are a, a, a teaching ministry and we teach in series. So we have a series for family life, which is this portion at 845. We also have a series at 10 o'clock and we have also have a series at, at uh, 7 o'clock on Wednesdays for Bible study. Is it important that you understand that these messages work together, although they're separate series on different topics, there, there is an underlying thing for all of it. And that, and, and, and that is that Jesus, Jesus is, he is all. Jesus is all. And so what I am teaching, if you tune in at 10, you're going to hear some things that will help you with what I am going to say. Because again, we cannot cover the time frame that we have. We cannot cover everything. So I admonish you. I encourage you. I admonish you to continue watching at 10 o'clock. And again, it's going to help with some of the answers, some of the questions, some of the things that I would not be able to go into detail about. You will be able to get those answers. God is going to deliver those answers to you. I promise you if you would just continue to watch. So our working definition of marriage is marriage is an institution created by God whereby two rational free moral agents, a man and a woman, who are born again, choose to enter into covenant with another imperfect person for a lifetime. And last week we started listing reasons, some common reasons why people, why men, why men and women, why people consider marriage. And again, these are just some common, some common reasons why people consider marriage. Those common reasons, those, those man-made reasons, I want you to understand that those are world, that's part of the worldly mentality that we have. It's a part of the worldly mentality that we have. But we're going to see that God looks at marriage and the reasons, and the reason for marriage, he looks at it very, totally different from what man typically look at it or how they typically look at it. And so uh, we, we listed those things. And I'm going to go through those briefly. We have some, a lot of information to cover, so I won't go t- through them in depth, but I will go through those. Uh, again, we, we came from four different scriptures. Genesis chapter 2, you can write them down. We won't go to all of those. We're only going to go to one. Uh, but the basis for our working definition, because again, we, un- we need to understand that Anything that we tell you, anything that comes across, anything that any minister is ministering here, it is going to be based on the word. And this, this uh, scripture for marriage is no different. And so we, had, we came from four dis- different scriptures and we saw an underlying theme in those four scriptures. So the scriptures were Genesis chapter 2, 
verse 24, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, Matthew 19, verses 4 through 6. Again, you can write these down. We're only going to go to one, though. Mark chapter 10, which is the one we will go to. Mark chapter 10, verses 4 through 12. And Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 31. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 31. And again, in all four of these verses, and we said from Old Testament, Genesis is in the Old Testament, the other three are in the New Testament. The, the two in the middle, Matthew and Mark, that's when Jesus was walking the earth. Ephesians was after. So we can see that all throughout the scripture, from the, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, for, uh, from before Christ came to the earth until after he left the earth, his ascension. From all of those, that, that whole time frame, we can see the reoccurring theme and the reoccurring message in all of those scriptures is that from the beginning, he that made man from the beginning made him male and female. He from the beginning he that made men made him male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And the two, the twain, shall be one flesh. That's the reoccurring thing throughout all four of those scriptures. So now in Mark chapter 10. Uh, we're going to go to that in a minute, but let, let's let's list. So we're going to run through this list that we created last week uh, that we talked about. So some common reasons, some the world from the worldly. Remember the worldly mentality of some reasons why men consider marriage because a person believes it's just the right thing to do in the course of life. You are born, you go through puberty, you get older. The next stage and the most common stage after that is to get married. You, fall, you find someone that you love and you get married. That is a common thing. To legalize their sexual sin, that's another reason. People want to try to legalize their sexual sin, try to cover it up. They try to soothe their consciousness for sexual sin. Some people consider it because it's a, as a way of showing that they've settled down. They've sown their oaths. They, you know, they've gone through life young and just done any and everything that they wanted to do. And now they consider, okay, well, now it's time to settle down. Uh, to appease a certain economic status or position. They want to appease a desire for a certain economic status. Helping them pay bills, helping them get things that they want that they hadn't been able to get because they only have one income. Those are some common reasons. Another reason is to appease a desire for a, so, a certain social standing. Everybody else is getting married. I'm getting older, so people are going to look at me funny, look at me strange if I'm not married. Uh, my family just expects it. You know, my, uh, I'm getting older, and my mom, my grandmother, they've been asking me, you know, when are you going to get married? When are you going to have grandbabies? Have my grandbabies? You know, all of those things, those are some, some common reasons. So they want a, social, a, a certain social standing. And then we talked about uh, fantasy versus reality. Some people consider marriage based on fantasies. We said a fantasy was physical attraction, as if that's never going to change. But we said last week that your, our bodies change. And if we make decisions to be married based on what, we, what, uh, what we're fantasizing about, 
how we fantasize marriage to be, then we will always disappoint. Be, uh, uh, we will always be disappointed, and our marriages will not go right because we're entering into it with a mentality that is not God's. We're entering into it with a mentality, uh, a man's mentality, a worldly mentality. And again, this is God's institution. And if we are going to be successful in this institution that has been created by God, then we have to have God's perspective on it. Uh, The last thing that we did not get to was, uh, again, another reason why, the last reason why men consider marriage is fairy tale versus uh, TV life, fairy tale or TV life versus reality. Fairy tale or TV life versus reality. What is that? Happily ever after. People want they want to go after happily ever after the TV life. Want to say about the Huxtables? You know what? And again, remember, all of those things are scripted. All of those things are scripted. Happily ever after. Let me tell you something. If you are chasing happily ever after, let me tell you that happy is overrated. Happy is overrated because happy only happens when there, when there are good things happening. That's when you're happy. You're happy when things are happening that make you happy. It's based on what's happening. So happiness is something that you chase and you will never ever get a full. We're talking about when people when I say happily ever after. You will never get happily ever after. Because things will always come up that will cause you to be unhappy. But, but, you don't have to be happy. What you need is joy. In the, time, in, in the face of any adversity, in the face of anything, you can always have the joy of the Lord and you can always have the peace of God. Both of those you can always have, no matter what goes on. So this happily ever after, what they don't show you in TV life, what they don't show you in fairy tales are the things that happen in life that can altering, life altering things that happen. That can cause you, again, those life altering things that happen, they will not make you happy. But you can, in the midst of those things, you can still maintain your joy and you can still maintain peace. And that is what you want in a marriage. You want joy in a marriage. You want peace in a marriage. Those are the two things that you want in marriage. Happy, whatever. You can be happy one day, you can not be happy the other day. Happiness is nothing. But in the midst of anything that you go through, in the midst of anything that you and a spouse go through, you want the joy of the Lord and you want peace. And you can have that. You can have that. Again, considering it marriage God's way. Considering marriage and entering into marriage God's way. TV life doesn't tell you the real things that happen, the differences of, of opinion. What happens when there are unexpected expectations or, 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 or unmet expectations? What happens when there are attitudes? What happens uh, when words are exchanged? What happens when you have a cold shoulder? Somebody gives you the cold shoulder, your spouse does. What happens when you, there's a silent treatment? What happens when there's unkindness? What happens when there's unforgiveness? What happens when, what happens when there's hurt? What happens when there's disappointment? All of these things happen in marriage. It doesn't show you life situational changes. Uh, a spouse gets hurt. They become disabled. 
a spouse's parent becomes ill, becomes elderly, and may have to move in with you. All of these things, all of these things, these are life-altering and life-children. That's a life-changing and a life-altering event that occurs and that happens. All the, the lovey-dovey, you know, all the, all the time you're able to spend together before you have children, that is cut in half. It may be even more. But these are life-changing. And, 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 and for someone who is not stable, for someone who has an unrealistic uh, approach to, to marriage and what it really is and, and God's perspective on it, they can take those things. They can even, I mean, even, even the birth of children. Even the birth of children, although they're your children, I have known, I have known, I have known couples, even in the birth of children, these are their children, but one of the, the spouses, one of the partners in the relationship, after the birth of the children, when things change, not able to spend as much time, not you know, decreased time and all of those things, then he started to have a wondering eye. These are his children. But he started to have a wondering eye. Why? Because he wasn't getting the attention, all of the attention that he once got. These are life. This is, this is real stuff. Realistic. These are things that go on. Real. These are real things that go on. And if we marriage with these worldly, these worldly thoughts, with these worldly, the worldly thinking patterns, that is why our marriages do not succeed. That's why they So we talked about all of those things. And again, this was a list of some common, just some common reasons why people consider marriage. Uh, turn to John chapter 4. I know I told you to mark 10. We're going to get there. But turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And it's for these very same common reasons, no doubt, for some of the one or more of these common reasons why people get married is what led the woman of Samaria at the well of Sakar into having five or six husbands. No doubt. It's one or more of these reasons, these man-made reasons, these worldly, the, wor- the worldly uh, uh, thinking of marriage. Why it led to this woman of Samaria at the well of Sakar, leading her to five or six husbands. Let's look at John chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 16. Start at verse 16. And please understand, remember this, we, again, I said it last week, when we teach, we're teaching from the perspective of God. This Bible is a mirror. It shows us exactly where we stand at the present. It shows us how uh, much we are far, how, how far we are from God, or how close we are from God, or how far we are. But understand that when conviction comes, when conviction comes, you need to thank God for the conviction because that's his way of saying yes although I'm showing you through my scripture through the word although I'm showing you how far you are away that conviction is saying but I'm wanting to draw near I don't want to leave you where you are that conviction that conviction is saying that yes although you have not met the mark although you have not met the standard I want I'm drawing that's me telling you come close you're there but I want you here that's his way of saying that that conviction you're there but I want you here so when that conviction comes again don't 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 beat yourself down about it don't do any of that 
Think of it this way, that God is reaching out to me. He loves me so that he does not want to leave me where I am. He wants to draw close to me. He wants me to draw close to him. So he sends words, and he sends his word to help heal us and help deliver us. And again, that's why I say, stay tuned at 10 o'clock, because it's talking about restoration and how to get back and all of that. Our 7 7 p.m. Wednesday service is going to talk to you about all of that. So just keep listening and keep just keep coming, keep listening. And I guarantee you, you where you can get to where you need to be. So John chapter four, verse 16. And the scripture reads, Jesus said unto her. This is the woman of Samaria at the well of Sychar. Jesus said unto her, go call thy husband. This is Jesus talking to her. Go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that saidst thou truly. So why did I say four or I mean five or six husbands? Because here he's, he listed five. So you've had five husbands. He says, But the one that you're with now is not even your husband. So this sixth man, he is who he's referencing here. It is, uh, could be someone that she's just living with and not married. Or it could be based on Mark chapter 4, those, all, some, some of those verses in Mark chapter 4, uh, verses 11 and 12. It could be that it's because her husbands are still alive. And there were some, some, very, some, some very strict guidelines um, that Moses wrote out. He wrote those things out. And, and let me tell you. Well, I'll get to that in just a second. He wrote those things out, and so Jesus could have been referring to that. So either way, either way, he's saying this man is not your husband. You've had five husbands, and this man is not your husband. Why did she end up? This is what, this is what we, we were going to, to hone in on. This is what we need to, to, to listen. Forget about the fact that she had five or six husbands. Forget about that fact. Why did she have five or six husbands? That is what we need to, to talk about. Why she had five or six husbands. That's what we're going to deal with. Remember that before she got to the marriage, before she got to the divorces, she had to go through a process. She had to go through some stages. She had to date somebody. She had to choose somebody. And then she had to make daily choices about what to do in that marriage. She had choices. She had things. She, there was a process that she had to go through. And if she had any thought, again, those common reasons that we talked about, if any, if, uh, any of those things existed in her thought process, those are the reasons, or that is the reason why she ended up with so many husbands. We're dealing with the why. We're dealling with the why. We're not going to deal with the, 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 you know, again, the fact that she had them, had to, had to have so many. We're dealing with the why she had to have so many or why she ended up with so many. Mark chapter 10. And, and let, let me say this too. In, in John chapter 4, we're dealing with a woman who was not saved. So Jesus Christ was there, right? So he had not gone to the cross so she could not be saved. But she could have, because from the very beginning, even before the coming of Christ, 
God has always given man an opportunity to receive him. Always given him an opportunity to receive him. So in John chapter 4, we see a woman that was not saved, but we see someone who knew the scripture. She was familiar with the scripture. She could even quote the scripture, but had not necessarily accepted it. She had not accepted it. In Mark chapter 10, let's look there in Mark chapter 10. Now this scripture was written to, remember we talked about the Pharisees, right? We talked about a group of people who followed Moses. So for the, the very reason why this uh, bill of divorcement was written to begin with, um, these were people who knew God. These were people who followed God. And so this here is the difference. In Mark chapter 10, let's look at verse 4. And they said, remember last week we said that he's talking to um, the Pharisees. The Pharisees have approached him about a question about the bill of divorcement that Moses wrote. And they said, Moses suffered. That means he allowed. He allowed and put a pen there because we're going to come back to that. And they said Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, for the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. I didn't want to read all of that. And they said, verse 4, Moses suffered. He allowed. Being allowed to do something is not the same thing as being in the will. Being allowed to do something is not the same thing as being in the will to do something, in God's will to do something. God allows you. He gives you the opportunity. He said, God, God, the scripture says that he set before us life and death. He set before us blessing and cursing. He set all of that before that. And then he tells us to choose life, which is his will. His will is for us to choose life. But we as people, we decide to choose something else. We as people, we can decide to choose Something else. And guess what? He will allow you to choose something else. He will allow you to. He sets it all before you. He explains the difference. He tells you what will kill you. He tells you what will bring you life. He tells you that. He lays it all down. And then he tells us what to choose. He says choose life. And then he tells you why to choose it. He lays out all these great benefits. But yet again, as people... As people, we can still decide what we want to choose. So here, this bill of divorcement that Moses wrote, it was because of the will of the people. They were already doing it. They were already putting their wives away. He just made it legal for them to do it. He was allowing them, he was allowing them to do something that they were already doing. But he said at the beginning it was not so. God already, he already told us what to do. He had already told us what to do. And no doubt they knew the scripture. They knew the scripture. But again, it was based on their own will. It was based on their own, what, what they desired. And when, listen, whenever, listen to this, and this is across the board. Whatever you desire, desire and whatever you will to do. God is not taking that from you. 
He will tell you. He's going to show you. He's going to tell you how to choose. He's going to tell you how to choose. But again, it is up to you. And he is not. He has made us. He, we, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He gave us a will because he wants us to choose him freely. He wants us to choose. He wants us to be bound to him freely. He wants us to be enslaved to him freely. I know that, 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 that really uh, kind of sounds crazy, right? He's set you free. He's given you a will to, to, to do and to choose, but he wants you to choose to be bound to him and choose to be enslaved to him and choose to do his will. He wants your will to become his will. He wants what you desire, what you choose. He wants you to choose what he wants and what he desires. And he's loved us so, he's loved on us so. He says, listen, I'm giving you everything you need. Why not choose me? You see what I can do. You see how I'm there for you. You see all of this. Why not choose me? Because in me, in me and in my will, I, I, I love you so and there is nothing that you, that I desire There is nothing that you don't desire. There's nothing that you desire that is greater than what God desires for you. There is nothing that you desire for yourself that is greater than what God desires. And remember, he knows what's on the other side. God knows what's on the end. He knows what's on the other side. You're only going minute by minute because that's all you know. Minute by minute. But God is in your future. God knows. He's in your tomorrow. So that's why he desires, that's why he wants you to choose his will so that you can align yourself with his will and allow him to direct your day-to-day path. Again, because he already knows where he's taking you. He already knows where he's taking you. So here he sees that it was allowed a bill of divorcement. But Jesus said, for the hardness of your heart. What does that mean? He says that the condition of your heart. It was your condition of insensibility, your condition of insensibility, your unresponsiveness, your unresponsiveness, your lack of concern, your stiffness, your callousness. It was those things, that condition of your heart, that unresponsiveness to the call of God. It was your lack of concern to the call of God. It was your, your, your stiffness. To the call of God. It was your callousness to the call of God. Your unresponsiveness. Your insensibility to the call of God. That's why. That's the hardness. That's why I gave. That's why I allowed a bill of divorcement. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. It's because of the condition of your heart is the reason why. The condition of your heart was the reason why that happened and why it was so. So there were some things in her thought pattern. So going back to to John chapter 4, going back to John chapter 4, there were some things in her thinking pattern. There were some things in her thought pattern that caused her to choose unwisely. There were some things that, no doubt, again, remember, let's, let's, let's look at this. John 4, let's look at this. Um... Uh, let's see. 
So verse 17 again. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and, the one, and, the, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that saidst thou truly. So here, but he, oh, oh, verse 19. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And then Jesus went on to answer her. But what I want you to see is that she knew some things. She, was, she heard some things. Now, she might not have accepted everything, but she heard some things. And she, so, so it, was, it was not that she had not been acquainted with them, but she still had this mentality. She still had these worldly thoughts. So even in her thinking process, even in her uh, uh, decision-making processes, she still had things in her mind and her thought that caused her to choose unwisely, that caused her to make some unwise choices. Because no doubt, had she had a different thought pattern, she would not have ended up with five or six husbands. She would not have been to that point. Again, because she would have taken what she heard, applied what she heard, accepted what she heard, and applied it, and then it would have then become knowledge for her to understand it and to, to process it and understand it. And then it would become would have become wisdom for her to apply what she had heard and then it becomes wisdom. And she could have been choosing out of wisdom instead of just out of these worldly standards. Just out of this old thinking pattern that again came from the world standard. So we need to understand that the call of God it is the call of God. And when he, when he sends his word, when he lays out his word and he lays out the things, even in marriage, even concerning marriage, when he lays out the definition of marriage and what marriage is, is, is all about and what's in the, the marriage covenant, when he tells you and he explains all of those things, that is his call. So when you harden your heart against the call of God, the call of God to, to uh, um, um, this covenant of marriage and what it entails and how it's designed and what it was created to do. When you uh, uh, go against that call of God, then you end up in divorce. You end up with, with separation. You end up with all of those things because you're not understanding the covenant. And the call, the call, if you harden your heart against the call, that is what is, it causes the problems. So... Let's see here. So, so we see that she made some, cho- some bad choices, right, in marriage. We see that. She made some bad choices. But this was not the very first thing that God addressed with her. See, that's just, that, that, that's, that's one of an, of, a, of, a, of an ending result when, when this happens. So let's, let's go up to verse, um, let's go to verse 1. So chapter 4, verse 1. When, that, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, there, Jesus therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was at about the sixth hour that cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. 
Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples, his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou being a Jew askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Here, right, right now, right there, right there, we see this worldly mentality. Right there, we see a worldly mentality. She's bringing up uh, the differences in between the, the nations. She's bringing up the differences between the people. Listen, and let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. And it's, it's, it's crucial and it's very critical even at the time that we're in right now. If, if, if nationality, if race, if any of those things matter to you where it determines... It's a determining factor on how you treat people, on how you communicate with people, on how you react to people. That, you're not born again. You're not born again. And that is the evil that is in this world. That's, that's what it is. So here we even see that she had this worldly mentality where she even brought that up to God. Samarians and the Jews, they don't deal with each other. They don't deal with each other. But she didn't, she didn't know who she was talking to. She didn't realize who she was talking to. But we saw, we see here, and then he said, uh, um, verse 11, no, verse 10. Jesus, Jesus said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who is it that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. So here it is. This is not the first thing. So the marriage piece, her being married to five, that, you know, that was just, that was just extra, right? That was just extra as a result. But here was the real deal. This was the reason why he needed to go. I must need go. This was the reason. It's because this woman needed salvation. Uh, and again, Jesus hadn't died, so she couldn't receive salvation in that manner. But he wanted her to see that I am the one. I, this, this, listen, salvation stands before you. The well of salvation stands before you. I know you're coming here to get some water. But the well of salvation, it stands before you. So he must needs go because there was a woman who was in need. He must needs go because this woman was hurting. Remember all the decisions she was making. It wasn't about the decisions that she was making. That was just a result of some internal. Remember what we said with this, with this, uh, this message is about. It's about the unseen work. There was some unseen work that she needed to take care of in order to correct that thinking pattern that she had. And she wouldn't have, and then she wouldn't have had the five husbands if she had a, if she had that correct mentality going into her first marriage. Going into the first marriage, she wouldn't have had that. So, so here it is, is that in order to correct the thinking, we need, there's a place you gotta be. And salvation is the place you gotta be. So he was saying, here, here he was telling her, Listen, and like I said, although Jesus had not died, she was needing to become a follower of Christ. That was the need for Jesus to meet her at the well. For her, that was a divine appointment. Just like this is a divine appointment for you, that was a divine appointment. The well of salvation, right there, right there in front of her. She thought she was there to get water, to draw water, but God was telling her right there, listen, I am the water. I am the water that you need. Forget about this water that you're coming to draw. I am the water. She needed restoration. She needed restoration. She needed to be whole and complete in God. She needed deliverance. She needed to be delivered from all of those uh, debilitating thoughts. 
that caused her to make bad choices. She needed that. She needed her crooked ways made straight. She needed the assurance of the presence of God. She needed all of that. And then she would not have been making the decisions that she made. She needed restoration by the master's hand. She needed restoration. She needed hope and peace and joy of the Lord. That's what she needed. That's what she needed. And standing right there before her was Jesus. And the day she met Jesus at the well, the day she met him at the well, she said, listen, I perceive that you are a prophet. You have told me all about it. And I guarantee you, she walked away from that well. She walked away different. She walked away different. And no doubt, the choices that she made from that point on were different. Because she had met God. She had met Christ. She had met the one who was going to the cross for her. You know what? That, that's amazing. I'm not talking about, see, see, we, we, we caught him on the, on the back end where, where he, he went to the cross. And, and that's, that's still good. Don't get me wrong. But she met Christ before he went to the cross. She met him. She met him in person. Her salvation. She met face to face her salvation. And I guarantee you, she was not the same when she left that place. When she left that place, she, I, I, I can imagine that she memorialized that well at that time. I, 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 I just imagine, just in my mind, it didn't say that she did, but I just imagine that that well had a different meaning for her from that point forward. She realized that she met the one. She met the one who could give her living water. Was she, listen, remember she was going to the well because of the shame. She was going at the time that she went because of the shame that she had before the people. Because she had five husbands and, and living with somebody probably that wasn't. Because of all of that. And you know, when people down us and people do all of that, and I get it, I understand. People will be people. But God, God, See, he, he's not, he's not gonna talk about you behind your back. He's not gonna talk about, he's gonna show you, just like now, he's gonna show you what needs to happen. He's showing you what needs to happen. I'm not talking, he said, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking to you. I'm not talking about you, I'm talking to you. Because this is what you need to help you get to where you need to be. This is what we need to make better choices about our life. And yes, I'm talking about marriage, but uh, just about life, period. To make better choices, we need to have an encounter with the Almighty God. We need to come face to face with Jesus. Face to face with Him. Look at this in Colossians chapter 2. See, this is what God is desiring from us. Colossians chapter 2. Let's, let's look there. God desires that you are complete in Him. That is what He desires. Before you can think, forget it. Remember what I told you before. If you have a date for marriage, if you, you know, you've already set the date, you've already started making plans, you need to scrap it. You need to scrap it. Because 
if you find yourself, God is speaking to you, and you find yourself here in this situation, you find yourself in these scriptures, you find yourself where God does not, he's saying you're here and I want you, you're there and I want you here. If you're, if you're finding that and that conviction is there, he is telling you, listen, there are some things that we need to get straight first. I need you complete in me. I need you whole in me before you ever think about entering into a covenant, entering into an agreement for a lifetime with another imperfect person. You, I need to work on you first. I need to work on you. He needs us to be whole. He needs us to be complete in him. Colossians chapter 2. Let's look at verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Be, be aware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Those worldly, remember those worldly thoughts we were talking about. A vain deceit after the tradition of men. This is just what we do. You get married after, you know, you, in your 20s, you get married. This is just what you do. Why you, you, You're so old. You, you're old and you still ain't married. You still don't have children. Those are the traditions of men. The traditions of men. But he says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men. After the rudiments of this world. And not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him. Which is the head of all principality and power. He says, listen. I need you to be complete in him. And complete in me. As you receive Christ. As you walk in him, you then become rooted. You then become grounded. You then become built up. You then become established in the faith. And that produces hope, joy, and peace. So that's why I say it don't matter where you find yourself in, 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 in whatever state or status that you find yourself in right now. It's not going to be the same thing. Status has changed all the time. But you can find yourself. You, he needs you to be whole and complete in him. He needs you to have joy right now. He needs you to have hope right now. He needs you to have peace right now. He needs you to have joy right now. Wherever state that you're in your single state. He needs you to have joy and peace and hope right now. That's the place that he needs you. You cannot enter into a covenant with someone if you are not whole and complete. You cannot. And be successful at it. You and the person you enter. Both of you have to be whole and complete. You have to be. And this is where God, he wants us to be. Listen, born, born again. That's the key. That's the first part. That's the first part. You got to be born again. And listen, I'm not talking about what you think you know. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about uh, you once, you, you used to go to church with your family, with your, your parents took you to church. You always went. You probably still go, or maybe you don't go. Maybe you go every now and then. But because you were considered, what you consider raised in church, because your family took you to church, that does not mean that you're saved. If you have not accepted Christ for yourself, if you have not accepted him as your Lord and Savior, if you have not asked him to, be, to, to, be, to come into your heart, if you have not done that, then you are not saved. You're not. Because salvation comes first with repentance. Uh, listen, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I acknowledge that. I acknowledge that I am far from God. I acknowledge that. You need to acknowledge it first. 
And then you need to accept his salvation plan. You need to accept the fact that he died on the cross. You need to accept the fact that he was raised and he was, he was buried and he was raised from the dead and that he ascended onto, uh, on heaven. And he now sits at the right hand of God making intercession for you. You have to accept that. And if you have not done that, then you are not saved. What we're talking about going to church and, 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 and knowing the word. When I say knowing, being familiar. Let me say that. Being familiar because knowing the word means you're intimate with it. And so, so Christians, believers, we become intimate with the word. That's why we come to church. That's why we read our Bibles. That's why we pray. Because we want to be intimate. That's knowing the word. So you might be familiar with the word because you've been going to church sometime or, or maybe all of your life or part of your life or whatever. But, but being familiar with it is not the same as knowing it. It's not the same as knowing it. And being familiar with Christ is not the same as being in him. Being familiar with him is not the same as being in him. So again, this is what God needs. This is what he wants. This is what he desires. He needs you to be complete in him. That means born again, stable in your position. You have to be stable in your position with Christ before you even think about entering into a covenant with somebody else. You got to be stable in your position in Christ. You have to be free. We talked about, remember I said free, to, to be a free moral agent. I said free, free is not just physically, meaning I'm not bound to somebody else. But free also means that I'm not bound to debilitating thoughts. I'm not bound to those things that would cause me to, to, to make bad choices going into a marriage or, or even in a marriage. Those are debilitating. Debilitating, what does that mean? Debilitating, those are weak. That means weakening. Those thoughts that will weaken you. Those thoughts that will weaken you and that will make you a, even make you a weak candidate for marriage. All of those things. It will make you weak. Weak in your thought pattern. And then that again, in turn, makes you a weak candidate. Makes you a weak prospect. Even to enter into God's institution of marriage. Where you need two operable people. Operable. What does that mean? Operable. It means that you are usable. You are a born again believer. You are usable. God can operate in and through you. You are operable. He is able, he is able, God is able to then work through you. Remember, one of our uh, other ministers, she talked about in whatever stage that you're in, the whole purpose is to service to God. That's the whole purpose. Service to God in whatever state. In your single state, you need to be in service to God. In your married state, you need to be in service to God. You cannot be in service to him if you have debilitating thoughts. You cannot be, you cannot be in service to him if you're not born again. That's first and foremost. But you can't be in service to him if you have debilitating thoughts. Things that will keep you from desiring his will. Things that will keep you from going after his will. Because these debilitating thoughts is all about you. It's all about you. It's all about what you desire. It's all about what you want. No, God is saying, I want you to want what I want. Because what I want for you is far greater and far better than what you want for yourself. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.